Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Amen. I'm not going to be before you long. I'm going to, um, the men did such a great job and y'all give it up for them. It is not easy to, to deliver a word and the women did well too on Mother's Day. (laughs) So, so, um, we're going to pray real quick and we're going to get right into it. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Pray none of me, but all of you. Grant unto me supernatural divine utterance. I pray that you'll grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. We give your name glory and honor. Everybody lift up your hands. Just thank the Lord for being our father. Let's thank the Lord for being our father. Father, we thank you for being our father. You are our very own father, our father. Our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba, Father. Father Father God, thank you for being my father, my very own father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so the title of my message is called Built for This. Everybody say built for this. All right. So there's a happy Father's Father's Day to all the fathers. Give it up for the fathers again. We don't celebrate the fathers enough. Um, There is an urgency for fathers to rise up and be fathers. Um, We live in a day where the world is trying to redefine fathers. Um, And uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, a father's holy life is a rich legacy for his sons. Let me say it again. Charles Spurgeon said a father's holy life is a rich legacy for his sons. So go if you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. Um, We're we're having wonderful time on on Friday nights with um, the men. So if you haven't been able to come out, just if you can join us for the last two sessions. We're going through a book called Masculine Mandate by Richard Phillips. And it's excellent. Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four. um, Frank actually made reference to this, actually read this. Let's read this. Um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, The book of Ephesians is full of God's wisdom. It tells us about the first half of the book, tells us what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And the latter part of the book tells us how to live in light of the cross in the light of what Jesus did for us. So here, the first four, uh, first nine verses in Ephesians chapter six tells us it's a part of, a lot of times people, when people talk about spiritual warfare, have you ever heard that term, spiritual warfare? Like you're, you're, you're contending for the faith and so forth. Many a times they talk about putting on the armor of God and that is important, but it also is important about our relationships. That's also part of spiritual warfare is your relationship 
the way that a husband deals with his wife, the way that the wife deals with the husband, the, the way that the children deal with their parents and the parents deal with their children. And it, and it goes on and talks about how we uh, employees should deal with their employers and employers, how they deal with their employees. And so that is also part of the spiritual warfare. It's not just binding the devil or fighting against the enemy, but your relationships is where you really deal with spiritual warfare. Amen. How you relate to other people. So in Ephesians chapter six, verse one, it talks about children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, the instruction is for children to obey their parents in the Lord. Children learn how to obey God first and foremost by learning how to obey their parents. You think about 18 years. Let's give or take the kids are staying longer at home more than 18 years. But let's say the first 18 years of, of a child's life, they are in boot camp learning how to obey God. For the first 18 years. So parents, specifically fathers, have a duty to make sure they are representing the gospel to their children so that they will have no excuse. God is training children how to follow him by first following their natural parents. As parents, especially fathers, we are to make sure the instructions we give our children are profitable for them and will help them become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Verse two says this, for honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. This is the first commandment with a promise. God first gave this commandment to Moses in the Ten Commandments. Children learn to honor first their parents. Then they learn how to honor God. Honor is a whole subject that it, it, we can spend a whole year on by itself. As believers, we're called to honor God. Our children are called to honor us. Children learn how to honor us by, by us honoring God. So how can fathers display honor? First, they honor God with their money. Everybody got quiet on that. <laughs> you honor God with your money. Second, you honor God with your life, your words and your deeds. What you say, what you do, your lifestyle, your time. Next, you honor God by placing the kingdom of God first. This is a good one. How can fathers display honor? Honoring their wives. By loving them like Christ loves the church. By speaking well of your wife or your, father, or your children's mother. By, by protecting and providing for them. Another way in which fathers display honor is by honoring their parents, honoring their pastors, and honoring their employers. Verse 3 says this, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is the commandment that has a promise that God will honor their kids with things going well with them as well as, well as longevity on the earth. Through their obedience and their honoring their parents, God will give them long life and give them well life. I mean, give their days, make their days well. Um, I like to use this example, the story that uh, one time I was driving and I had a sharp pain in my side. And, and I began to speak to the Lord about this. And I said, Father, you said in your word, Ephesians chapter six, 
verse three, that you said that if I honor my parents, then my days will go well. And this is not a well day. So I by the authority of the name of Jesus, I take authority of this pain. I command it to go and instantly the pain left. God will back up his promise every single time. Amen. Verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is a, a um, this is one of those verses that is powerful, yet is sobering. It reveals the weight of fatherhood. Fathers are called not to provoke their children to anger. And what does that mean? Um, the word provoke means to simply um, cause a particular reaction or have a particular effect to say something or do something that will bring or uh, make your kids annoyed or that will re- that will cause them to react in an anger way. And, um, Colossians says that um, do not provoke fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, to wrath unless they become discouraged. How I many you know as fathers, we can break our children's spirit through the words that we say, through the things that we do. Paul is simply saying not to provoke your child to anger or to wrath, to rouse up anger within them. How can a father provoke their children to anger? I'm going to give you a list. Of this, these are things you can do to provoke your children. How we speak to our child will determine whether or not we are provoking them. I, I try not not to yell at my child, my children, because how I many know that's just all in, all in cause more anger. The Bible says a soft word will turn away wrath. And you can control a situation. It's called emotional intelligence. God knew about it way before they discovered it. Um, I forget the guy's last name is Daniel something. Start with a G. His last name, who, who actually did research about emotional intelligence. And, and emotional intelligence is simply emo- managing your emotion and those who are underneath you. And it's in the sense of um, you supervising, understanding how to manage their emotions. God tells us how to manage our emotions as well as the emotions of people around us. And that's simply by responding, not reacting, responding to a wrathful situation by speaking a soft word. Try it. The next time you're in an argument and the person's like, you know, no, 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 no. And it's like, but why are you yelling? And you will, by the power of God, by the power of persuasion, you will bring them down to your level. Don't react, but respond. Amen. How do we provoke our children to anger? By ignoring them in their problems. When we ignore our children, we are provoking them. Um, By mistreating their mothers and speaking ill of their mother, their mothers. How many know that when you speak, you, 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 you know, you're calling out their mothers, like say with calling them a bee, calling them something outside of their name. You can actually cause provoke. You can provoke your children to anger because whether or not they their per, their mother is a good mother or not, that mother carried them for nine months, gave birth to them. And so we're not to when we attack their mothers, we're actually attacking, attacking them, at least in their minds. So don't speak ill of their mother. The next way to provoke your child to anger is to by not making them feel love. By not making them feel love. We want to fill their love cup, as Gary Chapman says. Um, learning their love language. Being able to respond to that and filling that cup up. The next one is to discipline them out of anger. 
How many know you should never discipline a child out of anger? You got to be careful of that. If you feel yourself you're upset and you walk away and then come back when your head is clear. And then the last is not being a godly father. That also will provoke a child to anger. Paul tells us what to do to provide a godly environment to our children. The, what he says is d- discipline and instruct uh, and instruct and give them discipline and instructions of the Lord. Fathers are called to shepherd their children. In other words, fathers are called to pastor their children. They are the, the Puritans called homes, little homes, um, little churches. So every father has the ability to pastor or to shepherd their children. So we are actually, when we come together, we are just many churches coming together, if you can look at it like that. So what, what you do at home should be a reflection of what you do at church. So when people, whether it's um, Minister Courtney, Lady Courtney leading us into worship, um, if you're not worshiping at home, then Sunday morning you're not going to worship. You're just going through, you're having a sing-along service. If you're not praying at home, you're really not praying here. So what really the church is a reflection of what you're doing at home. How many know we should sing at home, fathers? We should sing the song of the Lord. We should pray at home. We should read the word at home and so forth. And so fathers are called to shepherd their children or to pastor their children. They're responsible of disciplining their children in the things of God. Uh, what I like to call and Joel Beakey calls family worship. Family worship is having family devotions with your children, praying with your children, having Bible study with them. Family worship is important. Um, don't let the world discipline or disciple your child. Instead, we are called to, child, to, to disciple our children. We have 18 years to preach and display the gospel to our children. And we need God's wisdom to make sure that we are doing this right. Family worship gives our children an opportunity to come to faith and know Jesus. I remember my father, every, he didn't do family worship every day, but he did at least once a week. And every week he would call the children, usually on a Saturday night, he would call the children together and, and, and my mom and he would begin to he'll pray and he had long prayers and he would sometimes we would sing and then we would study the Bible almost every single week. Um, have I perfected this by no means, but family worship is so important. Family worship reminds our children that God is their creator. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, yet the days before the days are evil. He says to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are to instruct them in the things of God. We're to teach them how to pray and how to study the Bible. First, you must know how to study and pray yourself. Make this a priority. Don't yield to the sport gods. Or the ballet gods. Never compromise your Sunday worship for sports or any other activities. You're teaching your child not to put God first. I'm saying you can put your child in, in sports and ballets and different activities, but do not allow those activities to rob them of Sunday worship. I know so many parents, they sacrifice Sunday morning for their kid to play on the, to, to, to play on a team. 
We should protect Sunday morning. The Bible tells us in, in the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And as Christians, um, Sunday is now what is the Bible considered the Lord's day. How many know that the Lord has a day? And it's Sunday morning for the Christian. Now, there's some churches that will meet Sunday night. Sometimes they will meet Saturday and sometimes they'll meet on Friday because they don't have the, you know, perhaps don't have a, a building to meet in on a Sunday morning. But for the most part, the reason why Christians decided that now the Jews looked at Saturday as the Sabbath. But when Jesus was res resurrected on Sunday morning, the believers, the earlier believers in the Bible began to switch it from Saturday to Sunday. And it's considered not just a Sabbath, but it's considered the Lord's day. John said this in the book of Revelation. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And Sunday is considered, church history is considered the Lord's day. And so we should protect that day. I'm not saying that on Sunday you do nothing but religious activities, but at least part of the day should be a day dedicated to the Lord. Amen. Amen. We shouldn't compromise. A couple of things you shouldn't compromise. You shouldn't compromise the tithe. That's 10% of the gross income. And then you shouldn't compromise the Lord's day. This day belongs to the Lord. You have seven days, right? And one day out of the seven days belongs to the Lord. Come on, help me out. <laughs> Amen. And so don't compromise. Don't yield to the sports gods. Don't yield to the activity gods that will rob your children of being in the house of God. Fight against that. I'm, so many parents will take their kids out or they're playing football or they're playing soccer or they're doing cheerleading or they're doing this. Don't do that on Sunday morning. You tell that coach, no, as far as me and my house, on Sunday morning, we're in church. We'll show up later. <laughs> amen. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of amens out of that, but I'm telling you, I mean, right now our kids are little, but wait till they get older and there's a demand for that. And you're like, oh man, resist that devil. and says, no, we're, we're not going to compromise. We're, we're going to honor the Lord on his day. We're going to go to church every day. There's some parents who don't go to church on every Sunday. What happens is you're training your children not to go to church when they get older. Y'all didn't like that. <laughs> Amen. Don't stay home from church because you don't feel like going. You cannot teach them to put God first and yet you neglect Sunday worship. What we do teaches our children more than what we say. How we love our spouses or their mothers will teach them how to love their spouses. God holds us accountable to our for our children. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Dwayne said it. Frank said it. Um, Brian said it. it is our responsibility to train a child in the way that they should go. And if you read in context, it's actually talking about training them financially because it's talking about not being a slave to the borrower. So we can take that application. But immediately translation is don't teach, train them not to get into debt. That's the immediate translation or context. But then the spiritual application is train them in the way they should go. Why? Because you're making or you're putting an imprint on their spirits and on their minds. So when they're older, they can't get away from that standard or that landmark. Amen. Jeremiah talks about landmarks to remember the old landmarks. What, what are landmarks? They, they help us to get to a certain destination. Don't remove the landmarks of Sunday worship. Don't remove the landmarks of remembering God through prayer in the Bible, reading Bible, reading your Bibles. Don't remove the landmarks of loving them so much by correcting them and with the truth. 
Amen. Don't destroy the landmarks. The world, the devil, through social media, through television, through phones, iPhones, tablets, are, they are designed to program our children. So we should be concerned about what they're viewing. I always ask my son, Destin, say, what are you watching? And I'll listen. I want to see if they're representing the values, the Christian values that we put, that the Lord has put in his words. Don't rely on the school to educate your child. Amen. How many know that you are to own your children's education? Don't complain that the fact that the school system is horrible, but you make up the difference. Take them to the library, read to them. I'm not saying that I, I'm falling short of this, but I'm telling you, we are to own our children's education. If they try to teach them same sex uh, marriage, we come back and we tell them what the word says. Amen. And yet teach them how to be lovable and to love a person despite their decision to disobey God. We are called to be very much involved in our children's life. Let let's let's live in a way and be involved in our children's lives so they won't regret their childhood. They can look back and say, dad was awesome. He got down and played horsey with his old behind. <laughs> his knees were aching. Horsey, horsey, horsey. Oh. Do it again. Do it again. Throw him up again. Throw again. Again. When I had asthma, I was like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to die. Destin, you, want, you don't want me to die, do you? <laughs> no, but do it again. <laughs> All right. I, I told you I was going to be quick. Um, how to train our children in the Lord. These are some application. The first step is we must be born again. We must be born again. We must become a child of God. If you want to um, train your children in the Lord, you got to be born again. You got to be born. You got to become a child of God. The second is we must be an example or the Greek says we must be a pattern for them to live, to follow. This will leave an external or eternal imprint on their lives. Being an example, being a pattern. The next is we must pray for them daily. How many, don't raise your hand, but fathers should pray for their children daily. Pray. You pray the scriptures. I love what Brother Frank says. He prays the word of God. He, tell, he declares that you will not go to prison. You will, you will not um, fail in school. How many know that that's, that's, some, that's some good way of tra training? You're declaring the word of God. You'll never have diabetes. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never know sex outside of marriage. I mean, that's the standard, right? That, 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 that's the word. You speak that over your children. Never call your child bad. They're just active. Though the fact may be they may be bad, but you're calling things that are not as though they were. You are active, but you're full of God. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're to uh, speak God's word over our children. When I'm taking my son to school, um, Every day, uh, whenever I take him, I, I, we, pray, we pray the scriptures. We pray for the president. Even if you don't like the president, you're supposed to pray for the president. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if, if, if he's not acting right or she's not acting right. You pray the word of God. Amen. I didn't get too many amens on that. But you're, you're supposed to pray for those in authority. 
That's how we change things. And so we're praying for that. And then we begin to pray for his mother. So I'm training him to pray for his spouse. We pray for his mother. And then we pray for his brother. And then we begin to pray for his day, declaring that he has favor. Then we begin to, then I have him say this confession. I am a world changer. I overcome the world through my faith. I change the world for the glory of God. I'm sharp. I'm smart. I'm bright. I'm good looking. And I am extremely rich. And then the last part is I'm a major blessing. Amen. And that's what I say. He says it every day. I'm sharp. I'm smart. I'm bright. I learn things 10 times quicker than the average person. I am good looking. He likes that part. And I am extremely rich. And I'm a major blessing. Where do you get that from the Bible, Pastor Dwayne? Um, that's Isaiah. The Bible talks about the spirit of the Lord um, um, talking about Jesus, that he was quick, have a, had a quick understanding. He was sharp. And then it goes on in Daniel chapter one. It talks about how um, the Hebrew boys, they were they were 10 times smarter in science and math than the world. That's that's something to claim. Our children should be sharper than the world. Amen. Um, then we must study the Bible with them. So we pray for them and we pray with them. And then we must study the Bible with them. I just recently started with Destin. Um, our six-year-old is reading through the whole entire Bible. So let's say, say it takes 18 years to read through the entire Bible one chapter at a time. And then they get older, you can do a little bit more, right? I, I think we should read to our children, not only the children's Bible, but also the regular Bible. Amen. Maybe a kid can only take two verses. <laughs> well, there's two verses more than they had before. Uh, we must teach them about life through the lens of the gospel. Through the lens of gospel. We must bring them to church weekly. We must know where they are at all times. Spiritually, naturally, emotionally, physically. Know where your child is. Check up on them. Um, we must know who's in their ear. Friends, social media, television, shows on the tablets and phones. And I'm going to say this. You may disagree with it, but, but you'll thank me if you apply it. Choose your child's friends. Nope, you can't spend a night. We don't spend a night over anyone's house. Um, we, who's that person? No, no. Cut all ties. Choose your child's friends. You will not hang out with this person. You will not call this person. You will block them on social media. <laughs> I mean, now that's important. You don't allow anybody to hang around your child. Um, and then my last point well, I got a couple more, is, I'm going to say this. Never walk away. Never walk away. Your mom don't get alone. You don't walk away from the child's life. Never walk away. Affirm and let the child know that you're there until the day you die. Never walk away. You, the mom, no matter what the mom is saying, you will not be accused that you ever walked away. Give you a story. Um, I have an uncle who's home with Jesus now, and he was one of my favorite uncles. And his number one prayer was, 
he had a daughter, did not know he had a daughter until years later, is he wanted to meet his daughter for years. And so every time he, he would call me at least once a week when I was in Bible college and every single week, the prayer request was pray that I find my daughter, pray that I find my daughter. Long story short, he dies six months later, his daughter discovers where he was and connects with his mom and sisters and so forth. I see, and then we, then his sister died and I saw her name popped up, the, the daughter. I reached out to her on social media. I said, hey, um, you're my cousin. And she's like, huh? I said, your dad is such and such. He said, yeah. I said, well, you're, you're my cousin. And, and so I said, here's my number, give me a call. She calls me and, and we'd start talking. And I said, your dad was my favorite uncle. And I said, um, he used to pray every day to meet you. And she broke down and cried. She said, I was taught from my mom that he didn't want anything to do with me. And, and we began to develop a relationship. She got saved, got baptized in water and connected with the body of Christ. And now she knows the truth that her dad prayed for her every single day. So though he was not there physically, he never left her. When the day he found out about her, he actually went on a search to find her. So never walk away. Never walk away. And my last, well, two more. Is, and this, they go hand in hand. Affirm your child. Fathers, you are called to affirm your children. Because if you don't affirm them, who will? I tell my sons, I love them. I'm glad they're my sons. And I'm proud of them. Even if they mess up. What am I doing? I'm affirming them. Affirmation will go a long way. I'm following God, Father God because Father God actually did that. When Jesus got baptized in water, what did he say? Belo be uh, was it, was it, this is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well, please. And so God, the father affirmed Jesus, the son. And we're to affirm our children by telling them we love them. Tell them every day. I love you. Don't assume that they know that you love them. Use your words. I love them. I love you. I'm proud of you. My son Destin's like, why? Why are you proud of me? I'm just proud of you. I'm just glad you are my son. And then it is connected. I'm glad you are my son. And the last one is even when you discipline them, and Richard Phillips talks about this, hug them and tell them they are forgiven. Um, situation happened is, um, when our second son was born, uh, Destin, um, his cousin took him to Walmart and he went, and I told this story before he went to Walmart and, and she was going to bless him with a bike and what he wanted, he wanted a little toy that cost like, I don't know, a couple of dollars, but, but instead she's like, no, I'm buying you this bike. I think the bike is $70, maybe a little bit more. And so, um, he took the little toy anyway. And so he comes to me and his mom, he says, what happens, to, I'm paraphrasing, what happens to a person who steals? And I, and I said, well, will God forgive that? That's what he was at. I said, well, if you ask God to forgive you, you know, he'll, he'll forgive you. Well, you know, I asked cousin such and such to, to buy this and she said no. Instead, she got me this bike and, and I took the toy anyway. And, um, and, um, I, I just, 
you know, and I stole and she, he begins to cry. And he says, you know, I, 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 I want to ask God to forgive me. And he begins to cry of a cry of repentance. And he and right then there, he I said, you ask God with your words to forgive you. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And he's crying and my wife's crying. And then he falls. My leg, I'm sitting down on the couch. He falls between my legs and he's just crying. And, I, and after that, I hug him and I says, you are forgiven. This will never be brought up ever again. As a reminder. And Richard Phillips tells us that when you, after you discipline your children, and for the most part, if, when I spank my child, I hug him to let him know that that offense is forgotten about and forgiven. How many know that's powerful? Never bring up, some parents, they bring up, you did this, this, this. No, you forgive them and you move on and give them a clean slate. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Give your name, glory, and honor. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to this group of people as well as to these fathers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.